Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, a great little devotional uh, written specifically for homeschooling moms called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, and The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. It's kind of like the expanded version of The Unhurried Homeschooler. So if you enjoyed The Unhurried Homeschooler, I would really encourage you to check out The Four-Hour School Day. So all of those books can be found on Amazon. They can also be found on my website, dorendawilson.com. And you can find The 4-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just mentioned. As most of you know, if you've been listening for a while, you know that my favorite homeschooling magazine is Homeschooling Today. I happen to write two articles for them every quarter, but I love the entire magazine. They have wonderful, wonderful contributors, and I would love for you to just listen to find out just a little bit more about that magazine. When it comes to homeschooling, isn't it discouraging to see so much on social media that simply doesn't match your reality? Life is messy. Kids can be exhausting. School doesn't always go as planned. Sometimes we all need some real encouragement, some real, truly practical help. That's one of the reasons I write for Homeschooling Today magazine. The entire team at Homeschooling Today wants you to know that messy, exhausting, imperfect homeschooling is an incredibly beautiful thing because it's real life as we take an unhurried, bold approach to homeschooling our kids. An approach that says, I won't compare my homeschool to others. I'll teach the kids God has given me in the way that He leads me to do it. I want to encourage you to check out Homeschooling Today magazine. It is an amazing resource for the unhurried homeschooling mom. Okay, moms, God knows that we will face fear as humans. We know that the Bible talks a lot about fear, um, but there can actually be a particularly intense battle with fear when it comes to being a mom. Um, God tells us that He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And in some translations, it reads self-discipline. And He often graciously gives us tools to help overcome fear. So today, we're actually going to be talking about um, one of those tools— and it is the power of reading aloud to help overcome fear. My guest today is Jennifer Pepito. She is the founder of The Peaceful Press, which um, many of you may have heard of. It's a company committed to providing learning resources that promote connection between parents and children. Jennifer's wisdom has also been featured on Wild and Free, uh, The Mob Society, The Washington Post, and Home Educating Family. She unlocked the power of a well-told story, and she wants you to do the same thing. Jennifer, welcome. Well, thanks so much for having me today, Dorenda. What a joy it is to get to chat with your community. I'm excited. I'm excited because um, 
the power of reading out loud and specifically the power of a well-told story. I love the way that's phrased because stories can convey so much without actually saying the words. And that's a, a much more powerful way to convey a principle or an idea or an encouragement or whatever it is that is wanting to be communicated. So I love that we're going to be talking about reading out loud. But first, I'd like you to tell us more about your family and your work with the Peaceful Press. So I'm the mom of seven children. They're ages 13 to 28. And I've been homeschooling from the beginning. And my first child, I was in a Charlotte Mason companion book club. And so we started off with Charlotte Mason learning, which was such a delight for us. But then my second child had some learning disabilities. And that really propelled me into researching education and learning styles and learning disabilities and processing disorders. And through that work, I started creating the curriculum for the Peaceful Press because I saw that so many homeschool curriculums just copied classroom curriculum, which is completely lacking in motor skills development in the early mm-hmm. years. And and unfortunately, it's, it's lacking often in character development in the later years because the, there's such a focus on, you know, reading comprehension workbooks or just not using stories to convey value. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, that sounds that's that sounds very powerful. I I love the idea of con, you know, a lot of times we put emphasis on character in the early years, but to c- continue that into those um those upper years I think is just so important. I love that. So what are some of the primary fears that women face in motherhood and how can literature address them? Yeah, well, I I think we face so many different ones. You know, for me, I would be much more afraid of living in a city than living in the country. And for Mm -hmm. another mom, you know, living out in the country where you maybe don't have as good of cell service is, you know, a big deal. Or or for me, I love international travel with my children and taking them on mission trips to Mexico. But for another mom, that might be totally scary. So I think we have different ones, but some of the common ones are what I wrote about in the book. Things like, will I survive the baby years? And will I be able to give them enough education? And will I be able to pass on my values to my children? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. We 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 do have those uh, those common uh, those those certain fears that we have in common. Just that whole idea that I think from so many moms struggle with. You know, is it is it enough? Am I doing enough? And so if we can um, if we can get past that, I think it's really really important. And so tell me how literature addresses those because I'm so curious to to hear your perspective on that. Well, you know, I I love to read and I love to research. And so I was reading all these self-help books to try and overcome my fears or learn how to be a better parent. But as I read books, I could see the actual behaviors highlighted. Mm. You know, I think that's why Jesus often gave lessons in parables, because sometimes we can see and understand and have more comprehension when it comes in the form of a story. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as I read the little britches story and saw how the mother um, overcame her fear of that new property and that new place and that new lifestyle and overcame the loss of her husband and, you know, overcame so many tragedies to continue to to devote herself to loving her children well and Mm. doing her best to raise her children. Or, you know, as I read 
the book Baby, and I saw how that family had had so many fears related to the loss of their first child, uh, not their first child, but they had a loss of an infant, mm. and they overcame those fears by just staying present when they had another chance to love and care for an infant. So, you know, the stories highlighted things in such a deeper way than the self-help books. And I think the problem often with like parenting books or self-help books, someone is giving their experience that they had with their child, but every family is so different and Mm -hmm. our personalities, our children's personalities are so different. And so advice that might work really well for one family isn't as applicable to another, but when we can see families living out the the messy and beautiful and redemptive work mm-hmm. of just continuing to love even when it's hard or pushing through those fears to do the right thing, it's so much more powerful than you know a self-help book. Absolutely. I think there are connections made there Um, because even the story being told, if it's not exactly your circumstances, you still walk away with that sense of, wow, that mom overcame a huge fear or a huge, um, you know, obstacle in their life or a huge loss. And all of a sudden, you know, facing our own version of that seems like something we can actually do. And, you know, even if it's not the exact same thing, again, the connections are being made and we can pick up books and, and you know, it's amazing how quickly you can get through a book if you're reading uh, just even a short amount every single day. And so to have that constant... Um, Oh, just that constant influx of another of another perspective or an encouraging perspective or an inspiring perspective. Because I think more than anything, inspiration is what seems to really move people more than just words, more than just like you were saying, self-help and say, you know, th- three steps to blah, 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 you know. <laughs> but having those, uh, those connections to real life uh, or even fictional stories, but you can imagine what they would look like in real life. Um, it, it can just be incredibly, incredibly powerful. So how did you discover uh, that books actually helped you overcome fear as a mother? Because there had to be a certain point at which that happened. Well, I can. I'm, I think that one of the most significant stories regarding this one was when we were living in Mexico. And we were, it was winter time in Mexico and we lived two miles down a dirt road. Mm-hmm. And in the winter... You know, it was Baja, so it was a very dry climate. But in the winter, if it did rain, the roads were almost impassable. It was like Mm -hmm. driving on ice. And, you know, your car would just slide all over the place. It was really not safe. And we lived with 1,000 gallons of water a week. We had one water tank Mm -hmm. with 1,000 gallons of water. And so you kind of had to watch the weather because if you got too close to having an empty tank and it rained, you could end up with no water. Mm. But, and and so there was all these like kind of physical stressors. Mm -hmm. But then I had a daughter who had a seizure. My infant had a febrile seizure in that that little season. Mm -hmm. And in that season, another child had a routine tonsillectomy and then started bleeding out her throat. Mm. Um, And we were, you know, in Mexico. So it was to get up to San Diego where we had a doctor that was familiar with what she, with the surgery, it was it could be a couple hours because you had to cross mm. the border. So mm-hmm. we were having all these super intense circumstances. 
And at the time, I was reading The Long Winter by Laura Ingalls Wilder. Mm. And in The Long Winter, you know, we read all the first five of the Little House books in our curriculum, The Playful Pioneers. But we skip The Long Winter. Or we end just before that because it's, it could be too heavy for some children. Sure. In The Long Winter, the family is nearly starving. Like the town has run out of food. The trains cannot get through. And they have like a little bit of wheat and maybe a few potatoes left. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, reading that story, it just put everything in perspective. My mm-hmm. life was so much harder than any of my friends' lives. And the things I was going through was so intense, but I was not alone mm-hmm. because Ma had also gone through hardship much more intense mm-hmm. than mine. And I could see the way they didn't complain and the way they cheerfully kept grinding wheat into flour and mm-hmm. kept ra- um, wrapping straw to make it into a little bundle for burning to keep warm. And as I saw that and I read that, I was empowered to be courageous as well. Mm, I love that. And, you know, I, I love that imagery of looking past to um, to previous generations of mothers. I think we it can be so easy to just be caught up in the here and now, but when we revisit, when we go and visit Um, the generations of mothers who were incredibly courageous, incredibly faith-filled, we realize, like you said, we're not alone. And even in a season where you feel alone, like you mentioned, you can can actually um, invite (laughs) company— so to speak, through through literature. And I just, I love that idea. I remember there was one day that I was— I was making some cinnamon rolls and I was kneading the dough and I was thinking about how many generations before me of women did this exact same thing. You know, even my mother and grandmother and great-grandmother. And then I did start to think about the hardships that they faced and the and the trials that they faced and how they they pressed forward and i you know and i'm i'm here now and and i look back and and these women pressed forward and they did so in a um just a courageous way some of them sacrificed their lives i know my great grandmother uh great great grandmother came over on a boat from holland and I, once they made that trip with the nine children um when they got here she was not as well for the rest of her life and i just think you know they did those things um, for the future of their children, and they overcame hardship. And so, I just I love that um, I love that uh, that imagery that you just described. Um, so, and I also like what you said about using discernment when we choose a book, whether it's you know maybe too heavy for some of our children and maybe not. Do you, can you speak to that at all? Um, I know I think I think obviously using discernment as a mom is important. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm not really big on calling things by grades. You know, mm-hmm. I think as, as you get confidence as homeschoolers, it doesn't matter as much. Right, right. But I think, you know, every child is ready for a different series at a different time. Another one of our resources is The Kind Kingdom, which uses the Chronicles of Narnia books. Mm. And my husband first read those out loud to our family when my oldest was 11 and the youngest was two. Mm-hmm. And Um, or maybe a little bit younger even. And, you know, that was fine. Like some kids really listened and loved it. Maybe the youngest boys just kind of got a glimpse of it that first reading, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the last time we read it. And so that was okay. But I know for other families, you know, reading Narnia out loud to a seven-year-old or a six-year-old might be too much. And so 
knowing your own children, knowing mm-hmm. your own family, mm-hmm. because it, you know maturity is such a case guy case-by-case basis in a right, sense. Right, right, right. I love what you said about grade levels. I've been pondering that a lot lately and, and just the unimportance <laughs> of putting a number um, on whatever grade our kids are in. So I love that you mentioned that. Um, and so this kind of leads well into the next question. Um, how have you seen reading aloud impact you and your kids, because you were saying, you know, you're 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 discerning, you're deciding uh, what's best for your kids, and then you're moving forward with it. And then, so tell us what you've seen, uh, how you've seen uh, reading aloud impact you and your kids. You know, I think partly because we've read so many virtuous stories, mm-hmm. we have a willingness to do hard things if it's mm. the right thing. Mm. You know, we we read the Little Britches series, the mm-hmm. whole series, like a few of them. If you do the Playful Pioneers for the second time, you would read them. But the the very last book, The Horse of a Different Color, he he has a bad partner, a man who's not wise with money, and he gets left with this huge debt. And instead of doing, you know, what what is very, I mean, what is the modern thing to do, which is declare bankruptcy, he worked until he paid back all of those farmers that he owed money to. Mm-hmm. And it was just so beautiful to see the community rally around him to see him attract mentors. And so my kids, I mean, they've had these examples. We we don't always have an amazing community of people to learn from. We don't always have mentors, but our books can be mentors so that, you know, I, I have children who work to find mentors or I have children who, you know, go ahead and pursue something hard. And I think that that does so often come back to the stories that they were raised on. We weren't just giving them some twaddly, reading comprehension activity, or even a a story without a redemptive worldview. I mean, there's so many, maybe even well-written stories that leave you feeling hopeless at the end. Mm -hmm. And that is not what my children were raised on. They're raised on the most hopeful and inspiring and virtuous of living books. Mm, I love that. So the next question would be, why should we work toward overcoming fear instead of uh, just coping with it? Well, the problem is when we are afraid, we look unhappy. Mm-hmm. And when we are unhappy, our children think it's their fault. Mm. You know, and so we we create a home atmosphere that puts our children in a place of feeling like they have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. They feel like they are the cause of our misery. Right. And right. what a bummer. Like for me, I just, yeah. I love my kids so much. I was so desperate to be the best mom and give them the most magical childhood. But my concerns about not doing enough or about failing my children or about their life not being fun enough caused me to get in my head, mm. which robbed a lot of the joy and, mm-hmm. and made them feel like they were the, the cause of my unhappiness. Mm-hmm. And it was never them. I, I, I adored being their mom. It was so much fun. My youngest is 13. So my I'm like in the past tense. I mean, we're, we're in a different phase of life and it's still so much fun. But I, I loved mothering those babies. I loved, you know, hearing the adorable things they said and teaching them how to read. I mean, just every phase was so precious. Mm. And sure, it was intense sometimes. But if I could rewind, I would just have smiled more and and been more joyful about the whole experience. And we had a lot of fun. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, in my book, I'm I'm very vulnerable about my, about my struggles. But we did, we sat by creeks and we played by the, on the beach and we baked cookies and had tea parties. 
But I would have done a lot more of that and a lot less worrying if I could back up. Right, right. And that, the book you're mentioning, is your new book that's coming out, Mothering by the Book. That's right, yes. In Mothering by the Book, I talk about the, the struggle of being a mom who loves her kids so much and feeling afraid that you're going to mess it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that is the number one fear. That's that probably that most common fear amongst moms. And we were talking about common fears earlier, but I, I totally, um, I, I hear moms say this all the time. I struggled it with it myself. So I'm really, really glad that you've addressed it in this book. Um, and so uh, just kind of in in closing, what is the what is the cost to our families if we stay afraid? I love, I love the way that you um, answered the last question in just reminding us that our our facial expressions, the tone that we set in our home, um, that is on us as moms, and it does affect our children. And so, if we continue to stay afraid, what ends up being the cost? Well, I think a big part for us as believers is that they don't get to really know how good God is. Mm, Because mm -hmm. if they see us as believers who are supposed to be living the life of faith and the life that says, my yoke is easy and my burden Mm -hmm. is light, and that says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, and yet we, we don't trust God enough to rejoice Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. to be courageous or to, um, you know, give thanks and everything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to them. It makes, it invalidates our faith in so many ways. Like I want my kids to know and love God, but if the way I behave makes God very small Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I'm constantly worried about things and, and don't really act like someone who believes there's a big God in heaven who loves me, I think it communicates something very devastating to our children. You know, they I were agree. supposed to be introducing them. And and thankfully, there is grace. Yes, you know, my, yes. One of our worst times as a, as a family, we were living in a travel trailer and fighting. And in that time, my daughter, her own relationship with the Lord became really real to her because we weren't being such perfect parents. So <laughs> there is grace. And if mm-hmm. you're a mom listening and feeling like, oh my gosh, I've, I've done all this and I've probably ruined my children— you know, there is grace and the Lord is good mm-hmm. and he's faithful and he can heal. But I think we, you know, there is so much power. There's so much of an imperative to rejoice in the Lord, to trust in the Lord. It's something he continually asks us to do. And if there's a struggle, I think working through some of the questions in the study guide of Mothering by the Book, you know, might help just right. highlight where is this fear coming from? What's going right. on here? Right, right, exactly, exactly. So uh, with that being said, where can people connect with you and pick up their own copy of that book? Um, I have a page, motheringbythebook.com, or okay. through my Instagram, Jennifer Papito or The Peaceful Press. Okay, so what we'll do, moms, is we will include those links in the podcast notes, so that'll make it easy for you to find Jennifer and to her resources and her new book. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together, God. Thank you for the reminder today 
of how important it is that we continue to press forward and to overcome fear. And Lord, we thank you that because of you and because of your spirit and the strength that you give us, Lord, that we actually can do that. We have the resources to do that. Thank you for all the wonderful, wonderful books out there that can help us with that. It can inspire us um, both to overcome fear and to just um, move forward more courageously, be better moms, um, not allow things to become obstacles that don't need to be obstacles, Lord, so that we can better reflect your goodness and and who you are. And thank you that in the midst of all of our imperfections, God, that you are gracious and you pour out your love and grace over us and our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.